What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. When somebody starts growing their dreads, you're looking at them crazy like, you know, you're ugly. That's how getting out the league is. Everybody's looking at you crazy. Like, what you going to do now? You know, what you going to do now? As you continue to process, it starts to look good. People are like, okay, I see what you was doing, you know, and uh, it brings a lot of motivation to other people because when guys get out the league, they believe you're done, like it's over with. And so now when they see, oh, Jay made it happen even after what seems to be one of the worst times in life. To me, the league was cool. I always went in knowing that it was going to be over at some point. So I prepared for what was next, you know, mentally at least. Um, I found trucking. That was my that was my path. And yeah, it's, it, I'm proud of that. Turn my mic up. For you. Take there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the road to the riches. Life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. What's going on, brother? <laughs> man, all good. Thanks for having me on here, man. I, I'm a big fan. I actually learned a lot from this podcast, so to be on here is definitely huge. I appreciate you even taking the time out to work with me on this. Dope, man. Thank you so much. That means a lot. So we got Pro Pro Hall TV. We're going to talk about all of it, man. So, um, man, you know, let, let's start off, start off with this. There's a, I'm seeing a lot. There's a surge of athletes, especially in the NFL, looking mm-hmm. to get into the trucking industry what's yep. going on with that man what's 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 going on in in the nfl why is everybody in the nfl gravitating towards the trucking industry yeah so so here's and this is what i found when i got out we don't have any experience doing anything else and so as you know the nfl is cool it sounds good but when you get that job that pays a lot or trying to get in a career that can support your lifestyle it's kind of hard to not get an entry-level position so entrepreneurship Across the NFL is huge. You got a lot of guys going real estate, training, coaching. Uh, you know, that's not entrepreneurship, but it goes with sports. So let me get in the trucking is one where Russell Shepard, he's Bay, right? And uh, I didn't know him personally, but I heard he had a trucking company. I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, let me look into that. At that time, I really didn't have the information I needed to get going. But when I got out, the bill's still coming. I'm like, okay, tra- training ain't working. Train people canceling. Right. My money depending on them. And so I got into trucking uh, based off I remember Russell Shepard was doing it. And then a couple of my boys had trucks. Okay, so this is popular across the league. So I think it's the the ability to scale with, you know, the income that can support the lifestyle you create for some people. Some people create a little longer, a little stretch out more than they can handle when they get out the league. But for guys who kind of, you know, keep it low, trucking is a great way to get in and start a business that you could scale for the long term. Got you, got you. So for people who aren't familiar with you, talk a little bit about your, your history in the league. What teams did you play for? So when I originally came out, I was a wide receiver in college. Um, injured myself. So the draft was not really, it was like sixth, seventh round, but I ended up going up undrafted free agent to the Saints. And day one, they said, you're a tight end now. I was like, what? <laughs> day one, you're a tight end now. 
I'm like, but I play receiver. I'm used to corners. So now I'm out there trying to block Cam Jordan and Junior Gallette, and I'm getting ran through. And right. so it was a brief moment. Now, with now how does that happen? Because of your size? Yep, frame. Right. And, you know, people in college people in college would say that, like you're going to be a tight end in the league. But I'm thinking Jason Witten from the Cowboys, you know, 6'6", 270, 260. I was 6'3", 225, 230. I'm like, no way. But uh, they they seen it. And so when I went to the Saints, I, it was a moment where I was like, this ain't for me. Um, then I got released. I had a little, like, stinger, so I couldn't play in the preseason games. And so the league is cutthroat, especially if you're undrafted. Like, first-round picks, you can mess up just as much as an undrafted guy, but they have more invested in you, so they're going to keep you around, of course. Um, me, I had a singer, so I got released. And at that moment, I had a newborn daughter. I hadn't graduated yet. I had my signing bonus, which was only like $2,000. And so I thought, I was like, you know, what's going to happen? I was about to move in with my sister in Georgia. Then the Washington football team, formerly known as the Redskins, hit me up. It was like, hey, we got a workout. It's like 15 dudes at the workout. And uh, they end up signing me and a receiver from it. So that's where I, that's really where I say I started my NFL career. So with, with them for two years, then that year with Chip Kelly in uh, San Francisco. And then I got an injury. So, you know, that always happens to a lot of guys and kind of derails the career. Got the injury. And that's kind of how trucking became about now. Started training. It was inconsistent. Found trucking. Started it. And then the Colts hit me up. So I had the trucking company. Then the Colts hit me up. So I left that and went to the Colts for the end of the 2018 season. Got you, got you, got you. So um, you, you could actually still go back and play if you wanted to right now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the the older you get with the newer guys coming in, it's a little, <laughs> it's a little, like unless you're one of the main guys in the league, the older you get, you got new competition every year. And so what happens is a lot of people are like, why would you give it up? For me, the inconsistency and knowing that at any moment, because the contract is one-sided. Him, but they can come and make you leave if they want you to. So right. at any moment, a guy could come tap you and say, hey, turn in your playbook. And now your income is always dependent upon what these dudes got to say or what they think about you as a player. Got you. Got you. All right. So in terms of like your assets, just to look, so people know, like where, where is your trucking company now? So we're based out of Dallas. Um, when I got started, I was the driver, right? So I, I started in Hot Shot because I didn't know anything about trucking. I knew I was going to drive. You know, after running the numbers, I was like, okay, I'm going to probably have to be the driver on this. Um, so I got my CDL in a semi real quick, like this little, I don't suggest it. It's a fast track CDL school, like <laughs> took like five days. Right. They just teach you, they teach you enough to pass the test. Right. And so I got CDL in a semi just in case, but I, I knew I could drive a dually. I knew I could drive the uh, gooseneck trailer. So we got in in that, in that uh, area of trucking. And I'm not, I wasn't really like the, the type to, I want to buy a bunch of trucks really fast. So I ran that for a year, ran it, learned the industry. And uh, then we bought a semi, a Volvo, uh, at the end of 2019. And it was cool, but then we started having problems with it. Too many problems for me to handle being on the road as well, because I was driving too. So we took it off insurance. It's parked. It's all fixed now. But uh, so now we got the Volvo, we got a Freightliner, and we got the Hotshot running. And possibly I'm going to Houston the end of September to look at some more trucks. So 
maybe one more will be added. Um, we aim to get those rolling in October when the uh, insurance renews and registration and all of that renews. Okay. Okay. Dope. All right. So we'll get back to the business. Let's, let's, let's kind of, you know, rewind a little bit. Let's take it back to your backstory. I always like to, you know, let my, my audience get familiar and comfortable with my guests, kind of know where they're coming from. So talk, talk, talk to us a little bit about your backstory. Where are you from? Talk to us a little bit about growing up. Yeah. So I was born in Sulzbach, Rosenberg, Germany. And um, <laughs> exactly. So I got I still got <laughs> I still got to Google how to spell it when I'm filling paperwork out. So, uh, yeah. You said Susbach, Rosenbach, Germany? Susbach, Rosenberg. Rosenberg, Germany. Yeah. Okay. Sulzbach, Rosenberg, okay. Germany. Uh, my dad was in the army for 20 years. And so that I grew maybe five. So I was born there. Grew up in Germany until I was about five. Then we moved to Fort Polk, Louisiana, which is Leesville, Louisiana, central Louisiana. And I pretty much grew up there. Moved to Texas to Colleen, Fort Hood area for a little bit, but ultimately back in Leesville, uh, which is real small. We got a Walmart. Uh, we had a Radio Shack. They went out of business. And mm. the nearest mall was maybe like an hour away. And so uh, it was cool, real, real close-knit community. The thing was, we weren't from there, so we weren't really in the community like that. We were just kind of the people who moved in, which is no, outsiders. Fine. Yeah, outsiders who, <laughs> who came into this little town. And yeah. uh, then so from there, I didn't play football. My parents were pastors, both of them pastors. So I played the piano, played the drums. Mm. Not very good at the piano, cold at the drums. And so that was my, <laughs> that was my thing. Drums. You yeah, still play? At the I can, I can. I, I want to put a set in here, but... My girl's like, the neighbor is going to be mad because I'll get in here and, and go crazy on some old gospel, you know, um, <laughs> real. So, uh, so my boys was playing football. Um, Hold on. You, before you go forward, you said both your parents were pastors? Yep. How was how that growing up with both your parents being pastors? I thought it was normal to be in church three, four days a week. Mm. Then I got out and I got friends like, y'all don't go to church? <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, no, not really. Like maybe, maybe Easter. Right. Like, man, I'm in church every day. And uh so I got you, you know, I'm I'm like, man, I thought this was normal to be a deacon by the time you're 25. And right, that's the path. Did, did, did yeah, they have I, their own church? Yep, yep. In Leesville, we did. Um they end up moving though, because like I said, we weren't from there. So when me and my sisters went to college, they really didn't have any reason. Like they they felt like they wanted to be around their family. Well, all my family's from Columbus, Georgia area. Okay. And so they moved okay. to to that area um, after I went to the league. So there's no reason to be stuck to Louisiana. I haven't even been back to Leesville since 2015. Okay. Like no, no family there. All my boys moved. But um, yeah, so, I, you know, I grew up, grew up as a church kid, always in church, trying to do things for the church. And then sports started to come. So I always played basketball. But... I wouldn't say I was bad, but I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> and uh, like, so, so I was a tall dude, but I was, so I always played center, but we play some of these big teams and their center's like, you know, six, three already. And we in, in, we 12, 13. I'm like, oh, I can't match up to that. Right. So all my boys were also playing football. So I was like, okay, dad, can I put the piano lessons on hold? Can I go play football? He was like, you know, yeah, cool. He would. So the thing with preacher's kids, everybody thinks they're strict. You know, preachers are strict, so the kids are bad. My parents was real chill. Like, okay. yeah, go do, you know, go do your thing. And so uh, 
I went out for the football team in seventh grade. I wouldn't say I played until tenth grade. That's that's how bad I was. That's how I was. Man. You was a, you were the water boy. You yeah, I'm out there. Let's go. Come on, guys, you can do it. Hey, coach, I'm here. You need me. And uh, so you know, I'm being a team player, and I'm I'm looking at everybody like you know they've been doing this, they've been playing the game, which was cool. I was just happy to be out there. My boys was there, so. I'm out there practice or whatever. My junior year of high school, though, I hit a growth spurt. I coach came and he was like, uh, you know, you, you're too big to not be cold at football. Like you're too big to not be one of our starting wide receivers. Right. And so, so that I would say that's my sophomore year going into my junior year. So that summer he worked with me. We went to camps, LSU camp, you know, TCU camp. And being around the, the better competition, because when you're in your own little bubble, you only know what everybody else is doing, right? So when you get it to some of these, especially in Texas, when you get to some of these camps and you see these dudes, 13, 14, running routes, you know, like they in the league, it made us come back to Leesville, Louisiana, like, all right, we need to be better. And so in doing that, I got better and ended up getting scholarship offers to uh, some smaller schools, but ULM, Louisiana Monroe, they almost let me walk out. And I was like, you know, I'm about to go to tech camp next week. So they came out the room like I was in a parking lot. They came out. I was like, hey, we're going to give you a full ride. We mm. want you to come here. You know, don't go to tech camp. And so still went to tech camp, but uh, ended up, you know, riding with them since they were the first major D1 team to offer me or mid-major, but they were full on D1. And I was like, you know, I, I would have loved to go to LSU, but hey, let me take what I could get. And, right. For sure. Mm. Yep. Yep. So. That's how we got into football, man. It, it was never really a dream to go to the NFL. And people trip out about that all the time. Like, what? <laughs> you made it and you didn't even want, like, that wasn't something you was aiming to do. But yeah, kind of just fell in place and, you know, it happened. How was, your, how was your college experience? It was cool. You know, so coming in, and I think, I think a lot of us, with a lot of different areas we do this, we, we think we got time. So coming in as a, as a freshman, I was like, you know, I got time to develop. Then as a sophomore, I was like, I got time. My junior year, I was the starter at that point. And okay. so early on, I really didn't work hard because I always felt like I had that time. Right. Um, going into my junior year, though, I, I put that, like, stayed over the breaks and really grinded it out with some of the starters. And to just see the difference in me staying and sticking around with the guys who were on the field translate to me being on the field more i was like well, you know wow being around better all right guys truck and hustle has now partnered with transpo cfo powered by venning transpo cfo offers a streamlined monthly subscription for businesses to consolidate their accounting payroll and tax needs into one flat monthly rate saving businesses a tremendous amount of time and money while making their financial operations much smoother for the long road ahead check out transpo cfo in the description below and tell them truck and hustle sent you now let's get back to the show actually made me better so right year we balled out um we beat arkansas they were ranked top 10 at the time and we're a small school that's not supposed to happen those are right. called money games right so we want to go play them get a nice three hundred thousand two hundred thousand dollar check and go back you know with a loss but we got the check and the and the win <laughs> right then the next week we went into overtime with auburn then like a couple weeks later lost to baylor by five so our team had like some buzz. Okay. So now at practice, you start seeing NFL teams sitting up there 
And the coach was like, hey, it's real. Like, so y'all better get your act together. Right. Um, like four of us went to the league off. And at that point, nobody went to the league out of that school. But okay. that shit culture, multiple guys started going and, and uh, getting the opportunities. Got you. So you said you, when you went to the league, you first started with the Saints, you said, right? Yep. Yep. Right at home. Right, 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 right at home with the Saints. Talk, talk to me about that feeling when you when you went to the league, when you actually made it there. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, I mean, when, when we started buzzing college I, and I seen guys, you know, the NFL teams coming because it, it wasn't a dream because of the unicorn effect. Like when you see NFL players, a lot of guys are like unicorn. They're not real. Like I, right. I can never be an NFL player. They're super human, you know, and it's regular right. dudes, fat dudes on the team, short, skinny. <laughs> it's just regular. I'm like, you in the league? And so when I start seeing that it was real possibilities uh, with the league, then I was like, okay, so am I either I'm superhuman or, or <laughs> you know, everybody could get an opportunity. Right. And, and being superhuman wasn't the case. So when I went to the Saints at that point, it was just another transition. It was the locker rooms are the same all across from from junior high, high school, college, NFL. Everybody childish. Nobody ever grows up because <laughs> you're always just playing sports. You know, yeah. you know they get families, but as far as being around other other guys, it's all clowning and stuff. So, but when I first went, I was I was nervous. I was like, "Yo, that's Drew Brees. You know, mm. that's that's Marcus Colston." Right. And, uh, it was seeing the business side too, because you see guys. Your, your locker mate, you know, who's in the locker next to you might not be there the next day. Right. You got new teammates rotating. And it was just like, whoa, this business side is crazy. Yeah. And so I had to understand that, you know, when I got released, I was mad. I gave my homeboy all my Saints gear. And then <laughs> I, don't, I don't rock with the Saints no more, you know. Right, right, right. All my Saints gear. And then I started to understand, okay, it's a business. You know, they got they got to do what they got to do. And after I learned that, the process became a lot more smoother and stress-free. Got you. Got you. So when, when, when you said, you said like when you get into league, you see all these people like do, do, do players, you see players like fanning out like, man, this is this guy. Like, do they actually like go up to the player and act like they're fans or do they have to maintain their cool? So what happens is you do have groupies in the locker room <laughs> and, uh, what happens is they try to kind of just like, hey, man, I just need a mentor, you know, big bro, big bro. <laughs> and I'm not that type of dude. So right. I was always to whoever, whoever I click with, that's who I click with. I wasn't about to, you know, hey, you know, hey, what's up, big bro? <laughs> right. You do, you do see it happen. Right. Uh, understandably for some guys, you know, you, you, you're in an opportunity, you're in a, a presence of a lot of greatness. So you're getting the opportunity to soak up some knowledge from those guys. So I understand it. But me, I was that dude like, look, I don't care who y'all are. I, I had that that mentality. I don't care who y'all right. are. I'm not going to suck up to nobody. Right, right. But Got it's, you. It's out there. Are you able to kind of talk about, just so for, so people could understand, when you come into the league, the average player, like what financially, what, what kind of position are you in when you, yeah. when you first start? So coming out of college, I mean, you probably broke. But uh, unless you're one of those top picks who the agent giving you money, but like me and in the undraft, you got different tiers, right? So I say I put in tiers from first to the third round. Those guys are getting first for sure millions, second millions to hundreds of thousands, nine hundred, you know, third round six to nine hundred thousand. You getting that up front signing bonus? It's cool. Then you got your fourth to fifth round, so fourth and fifth round, you're getting maybe like three to three 
400,000 signing bonus. You know, fifth round may dip down in the twos. Six to undrafted, though, is you're not really getting much money. Signing bonus, you may get 50K. And all of this is pre-tax. So that's something people forget. Everything gets taxed and depending on what state. So when I got my signing bonus, it was only 5,000. When I got the check, it was like 2,500. And I went to the player dude. I was like, hey, I, my check ain't right. <laughs> How y'all paying this out? You know, is right. it two, two installments? Is this installments right? Yeah. <laughs> When's the other half coming? Taxes. He's like, you got taxes. I was like, what? Taxes? My payroll check always the same 1400 that I need to get. You know, in college, he's like, no, you got taxes. Like, right. So uh, when undrafted guys in my position, I could speak on, we were, you, you're not really getting a bunch, especially... So you go in April, you're not getting paid really until September, till the season starts. Okay. So you get your signing bonus, you may have two thousand. Then every week you get like five to seven hundred uh, of OTAs, and that's everybody. Not some guys will have their signing or their workout bonus, but majority of the guys are getting seven hundred dollars a week during those summer months, and then uh, training camp it goes up to like twelve hundred a week. And and every year they add money to it. So I don't know where it's at right now, but it's still, you're not getting real money until September when the season hits. Got you. Now, did did that come as a shock to you? Like when you got it, like, did you expect a lot more and you were like, damn, this is, this is it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cause I mean, you know, we all think everybody a millionaire. So I didn't even know the contract situation. I'm like, all right, I'm in the league. What's the money about to look like? Right. Like, you know, I'm in the league going back to my boys. Like, hey, I can't, I can't cover that. Like, hey, right. you know, got to chip in. Right. Like, you in the league. I'm like, dog, I only got 2,500. <laughs> what? <laughs> got 2,500. And it's like, that's how the league works. Yeah. Yeah, man. You know, so it's kind of like you got to prove yourself to be on the team, whether it be practice squad, who practice squad you make maybe like 100, 120K before taxes. Okay. So you leave with roughly 70, 60, 70. Well, don't, well you don't leave with that because you still got to live throughout the season. But, you know, that's what you're, you're getting in your pocket. Um, then an undrafted full contract probably now is probably about 475 pre-tax in uh, different states. You get, you get taxed on every team, like every state you play in. So gotcha. we play in Illinois. That's where we're getting taxed on. We play in Texas. Texas, I mean, that would be a, te- a place we want to play because they don't get the state tax taken out. Um, so that's how it works. But when I was in San Fran, those taxes was ridiculous. Mm. It's like, man, you got to ask for a lot of money if you play out here because you're going to get taxed half. Right, right. Did, did you have an agent negotiating on your behalf or did you negotiate for yourself? So, man, so with agents, I think early round picks is necessary because they're kind of selling you, they're pitching, you know, why they need why you need more money when you go undrafted though it's the same base contract okay so you really don't need a a, you do need an agent because you don't know the lingo but if you could learn it then you really wouldn't need an agent at that point in time okay okay yes i did have an agent though i had an agent uh it was a lady actually and they were cool the thing is once it started to get rocky when you really need them in your corner that's when they kind of start like going in the bushes like that that uh like like uh what is it the simpsons that little meme where he <laughs> they start the fading away yeah that's what <laughs> like they, homer that's what they, yeah yeah that's crazy so i was like okay i see how it is it's a business for everybody and when i can't use you anymore you know i'm a i'm a duck off that's what it seemed like to me 
Got you, got you, got you. All right, so let's let's talk about your entrance into the trucking industry, right? Um, this is you you let you leave. This is out of um, uh, Saint the Saints, right? You leave the Saints, and that's when you first get into trucking, right? No, so Saints, I was at the Redskins. That's when Redskins. I first started talking about it. Yep, yep. Okay. So my rookie year, I was with the Saints just for that training camp, that summer period. Then was released at the end of that, and for the season, I was with the Redskins. And then for the next season with the Redskins. And so that's when I started to hear about it. And I, I don't know anybody who was in trucking. Like, dad was in the Army. That's all I knew my whole life, Army, military life, and church. And so uh, my, I heard about Russell Shepard. And so I started talking to my roommate. Um, during the offseason, we went back to college. So my roommate played for Tampa. And that's why I say a couple guys went to league. My roommate went to Tampa. I went to the Redskins. And so we were talking about what to do with our money. You know, we're young. We're like, hey, man, we're going to do this and that, and we need to, you know, grow it. So that's how I heard about Russell Shepard because he went to Tampa with him. Gotcha. And so we started talking yeah. trucking. Then I'm, I, in my mind, I'm thinking you have to have a lot of money to start trucking. And although I was in the league, we didn't have it like that. Like I was practice squad my first year. I came home with maybe like 40000 50000 cash. And so – I'm like, I don't have enough. to, And then I'm looking up new trucks. And that's right. one thing, too. A lot of people probably look up new trucks and see that $150,000 price tag. Right. So I was like, all right, you know, maybe when I get a contract, we'll get some trucks. So we really put it to the side. But that's when the interest started. And then how I actually knew about Hotshot, uh, we had a, a girl's dad came to visit. He was long-term box truck, like had mattress firm contracts and stuff. And then something happened with the business. But he got back in the truck and then he came to visit us. And so she picked him up from the truck stop. So I didn't see anything when we dropped him off. You know, he had been talking to me about the business all week and the numbers. And I'm still thinking semi, semi, semi. We dropped him off to a dually. With a, and so I was like, you making that money with that? He was like, yeah. He was like, you know, it's called Hot Shot. Mm. Boom. Instantly. Googling YouTube. I'm on <laughs> Googling YouTube University. Like, what is Hot Shot? How do you get paid? How do you find loads? And so that's when I'm like, so from the time we dropped him off till maybe two months after that, we had the truck, the trailer, the MC number, everything just off of researching. Okay. Got you. So you got, you got started in hot shock. So what type of, tr- what type of truck did you first go out and get? So I got a Ram 3500 Dually. Yep. A trade 2018. And this was in 2018. So it was brand new, um, brought a brand new trailer and, we got to work on the load boards. The thing is, when I went back to the league, my first load was until I came back from that. So I had everything set up to run, but then the Colts called me. So that my MC number is getting that 90 days out the way while I'm up there in Indy working with them. And then, then I came home and got my CDL. So um, when we got rolling, it was really smooth. It was really a smooth process. You know, definitely a lot of things to learn in that first year. But okay. As far as getting it going, it was it was it was nice. So so let, let let's talk about that. How'd you make money with the hot shots? So you, you said you you got, you jumped on load boards. Yep yep. So originally, and that's how I learned where to find loads initially. Because I'm thinking you have to have contracts and you have to have directs. Um, but I googled you know what's the top load boards, and we did some research. And of course, DAT and Truckstop.com are the the probably the best known load boards out there. Yep. And then also Central Dispatch with Hotshot, you could kind of do cars too. Um, so we just started running the running the load boards, you know, figuring in my first three or four loads, 
I didn't know about credit checks. And so I ran those thinking I was about to get paid instantly from my factoring company. Mm. And they were like, no, that's a bad broker. Like we don't work with them. So I'm sitting there floating, you know, my first four loads to get paid 30 days. Um, but that's something to learn too, as well. You know, the, the credit checks and all of that. Right. But yeah, low work. And then eventually we started to get directs, which was helpful because we could cut out and make some money. But with it being over the road, really maximizing those connections, uh, I would like to have done more with them. But, you know, we're when we go somewhere, we're not coming right back. We're going, let's say we're going to Nashville, then we might go up to Richmond. Right. How, how, how was it being over the road? Because that wasn't something that you were accustomed to, I'm sure. Like, like the, the over the road lifestyle. How, how was that? Man, it was surprisingly, it was it was smoother than I thought. Because I'm like, you know, I didn't know that the truck stops had the showers and the gyms. Like a lot of guys would go to gyms and, and shower up. And of course, you get your hotels. But you do that too much you cut in your profit um for me that's really when i started to learn a lot like so i came from football i knew about trucking from the brief research that i had done getting started but then you start to listen to these podcasts and 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 different educational material and you're like wait okay i could do that and then you all you know so me i'm always trying to figure deeper into the in, into the trucking industry and what other routes of entrepreneurship i can go and so I started learning and I was battling with getting off the road for a while because I had that that fear of like, all right, what happens when I get off? You know, I hire a driver. What do I do next? Right. But uh, I also had the YouTube channel going. So it made the road life even more interesting because I'm recording what it's like being new to trucking mm. and, via, you know, via hotshot. So the following was growing on there and it became to where all right, I felt like I had to record I need to be out. I need to be talking and connecting with the people. Um, but overall, o- over the road was cool, man. It was real peaceful. You know, you get hours of just thinking, hours of just thinking and, and evaluating life, evaluating business and planning out the next move. What do you think were some of the keys, uh, key things that were uh, that drip, drove your success um, in, in the hot shots industry and w- with the hot shots? Not so. I think a lot of people get in and they hear the numbers and that's something that I, I always tell, you know, the people who I connect with, the number, it's not about what you got coming in. It's about what you got going out. Cause if you make, if you netting 15 a month, but you spending 14, well, you really only, you know what I mean? Like right. you gotta, so you gotta really buckle down on all areas of finance, not just the company side, but your personal life. If you want to le- continue to level up. Now, if you want to, it's not a get rich quick scheme. It's not a game like that. It's a real business. Like you got to have your finances in place, your policies in place. And so me, I think what separated me and, and allowed me to grow smoothly is understanding that already. Being in the league and getting a substantial amount of money and seeing how fast it could be gone made me more like uh, conscious of, of how the money was going coming in and going out. Right. Got you. What, what, type of, what type of loads and type of work did you look for? So here in Texas, a lot of uh, West Texas oil fields, you know, I had I, I end up getting connected with this broker who was really good, you know, paying really well and had to Odessa, Texas and back. They always had the loads in order like that. So they were paying me about eighteen hundred to go, you know, three hundred fifty miles and come back with just okay. with trucks. And so originally I started doing that for them. And then a lot of the oil field work pays pretty well. Um 
And other than that, that slowed down and also the oil field can put a beating on your equipment. So then we just started doing like pipes, um, plastic, you know, plastic pipes, poles, containers, of course. Those are like parachutes, though, you know, that kill the fuel and, and make your truck work hard. Um, and then just any any really construction thing, a lot of United Rentals work. Uh, skid steer. This is where I'm learning all this stuff. What's a skid right. steer? It's like you got a skid steer to pick up. So I'm learning how to operate this equipment too, because I got to load some of it. Uh, so a lot of construction work and piping, building material, and so it, it was. It was pretty cool, especially here in Texas. There's so much work, and with the oil fields, it made it easy to make money uh, with Hot Shot. Got you. What What were some of the challenges you had as you were um, as you started with the Hot Shots? Some of the challenges I would say would be being in a rush to get out there. You know, um, the difference in hot shot and like semi flatbed is you got less space. A lot of the loads weigh too much for you to put on hot shot. So you got to learn how to partial it together. And so me early on, I was getting the load and leaving, whether it took up 10 feet or 40 feet of my whole trailer. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking the broker wants it there. The broker wants it there. And I'm thinking customer service. So I'm getting loaded and leaving. So I had a conversation with a broker and I was like, you know, why do y'all ask, you know, when can you get it there? And it's like, just so we could tell the customer, it's not really a rush unless we say it's a rush. Right. I'm like, cool. So once I learned that, I was like, boom, let me book this load. And then, you know, calmly, let me search for the next one and, and maximize my trailer. And once mm. I started doing that, we started making way more money. And the difference was just a couple hours of searching rather than getting loaded and hitting the road right away. Uh, mm. um, another thing is coming home, trying to come home too much, limiting deadhead, which is, you know, when you're riding empty for, for the people who may not know, uh, when you're riding empty to the next load, that's called deadhead. So limiting how far you got a deadhead, which also goes into knowing where you're delivering. And so it's like a big logistics chain, but you got to kind of get out there and realize, okay, I really didn't make that much money this week. What did I do? Right. I came, you know, I can't I drove 10 hours from Nashville to Dallas and I wasted, you know, however much in fuel. So it's a, it's a lot of things to learn once you get going. For sure. So you'd say that probably made the biggest impact on your business when you started realizing that, hey, maybe I have a little bit more time to get another load in here. Whereas, you know, I'm trying to rush and, you know, you can start kind of stretching out your time a little bit more, stretching right, out your day. Right. Yeah, man. So maximizing the trailers and hot shot is huge because all, all day you'll find big flatbed loads, you know, full trailer, 48,000 pounds. Uh, or, you know, you could find find a lot of just trips that's going to pay you well for that one pickup, one drop off in hot shot. You can find that as well. But a lot of people utilize hot shot because they don't want to put a 10 foot load on a big flatbed. They know they got the they got the. Uh, availability to load up a full trailer so they're putting hot shot loads you know partial they always put partial when they know they're about to lowball you on the low board uh, right. so me i'm always negotiating for full trailer rate regardless if it's taking up five feet ten feet now i know i'm not going to get that but that at least gives me a point of starting where i can get th where if they come down we both feel like all right we both you know agreed on something that's fair for both of us versus calling and saying hey look i know it's a partial <laughs> I'll, I'll take <laughs> you know don't low ball yourself when you call always act like you know hey i still got to use my fuel i still my truck still getting used to get it there right and that helps with money as well and then doing the same thing for the next one that i'm putting on there so whereas guys might get a full load paying two dollars two ten a mile 
I might have two parcels on there going to the same area, paying me two fifty, two seventy five a mile because I parceled it out and maximized gotcha. one trip. Now, were you dispatching yourself? Yep, yep. I was against. I was so against using anything, any outside source. I'm like, man, I'm gonna do it. just how I was when I went to the Saints. Like, man, I'm gonna do this myself. I don't need nobody. And uh, <laughs> so, which was cool. I, I really thought I was doing something, and then. One day I had a friend say, hey, look, check out this dispatcher. He real cool. You know, he only charged you once you once he nets you five thousand or once he gross you five thousand. Oh, really? Yeah. So he only invoiced you once he had you five thousand dollars worth of money coming in. Okay. I was like, cool. So I checked them out. I realized that for one, I didn't know the regions. I didn't know the areas to go to. Because if I take a good load to Colorado, right, a lot of people know Colorado is hard to get out of. So I'm thinking, I'm, hey, I'm winning going into Colorado, but it's taken me a day and a half, two days to get out of Colorado and make it worth it. And so what I learned from him was the regions, of course, you know, where you're going and coming out of. And he can always be looking at the load board. And versus when I'm driving, it's hard for me to find catch those good loads that pop up because they'll pop up and disappear. And so where I was paying him 7%, we were making, you know, like $1,200 more a week, $1,300 on one, one truck. And so I was mm. like, okay, you know. So I used him all the way up until I hired a driver for the hotshot. Okay. Uh, it's been, I learned, I, I, as he was dispatching me, I'm like, okay, we're going to this area and it's, it's easy to get something out of. All right, this area, this lane pays pretty good, you know. So now I use that when I'm dispatching my own truck. So now, so now you dispatch your your uh, your driver for the hot shot. Yep, yep. So, so you don't you don't use a dispatcher no more. Not now, but I might have to get. You might have to go back in October. Yeah, when we add because it's it's a few days where I'm in here like stressed out, especially <laughs> with hot shot. I'm in here stressed out, like yo, I don't know if we're gonna get something out of there. Right. So I'm only trying to imagine that with four more trucks. You know, three, four more trucks coming on, although they're semi. I don't know. I might might need to outsource that right there. And then got a, you, got the, you. a lot of other things going on in life, like like the Excellence Foundation and, and different uh, opportunities I'm getting out here in the Dallas area. So it's like I might have to put some of this on on somebody got else. Got you. Got you. Got you. All right. Cool. So we we, we start out with the hot shots. And then you said you buy your first semi. Yep. Yep. Evolve. Talk, talk, talk a little bit about that. Why did you think it was time to get a semi now? You were doing okay with the hot shots. Mm-hmm. Why do you move on and get a semi truck? So versatility, right? So with hot shot, you know, you got flatbed. That's pretty much flatbed or car hauler, uh, which is all open, you know, open trailer deals. Um, wintertime, it hits and a lot of that construction stuff slows down. A lot of the outdoors, you know, work is slowing down. So what happens is rates across the board drop. But what I liked about semi is you can unhook if you got a big flatbed, you can unhook and go get consistent work with UPS or FedEx or something like that. So one of your earlier uh, podcast guests, Curtis Grant with CGM Boys Trucking, he's my boy. He was my teammate in San Francisco. And so we were as always, we really got close through trucking. We were cool on the team. Okay. But we both seen each other doing trucking. We was like, hey, bro, we talking every week. And so he was telling me like, hey, man, I'm unhooking. I'm going to do FedEx. I'm going to. He's like, hey, I'm telling you, get you a semi. And so I'm like, OK, I get it. You know, I felt I felt the slowdown in the hot shot during the winter. I was like, OK, I want the versatility of be able to unhook and maybe go pull a drive in or maybe go hook up the UPS or something like that. 
So that's that was the decision with adding it just to be able to have more options with trailers. So if you were to advise somebody now who was getting into the industry, would you tell them to go into hot shots first or would you tell them to get a semi first? So for uh, so for a person like me who might have been a little weary, you know, getting behind the, the wheels of a semi, I think hot shot is good to get in and learn the business and feel comfortable. You know, you got less expenses with being able to work on your own truck. A lot of people don't know how to work on semis. And so getting in, having those less expenses, feeling comfortable operating a vehicle, and then you learning the ins and out of the business. I think Hot Shot is good. But for a person who already knows the semi industry, you know, might have been a company driver, know how to operate the vehicle. I think that's a good way to go. As long as you find a good truck, that can be the deal breaker with a new company. If your truck breaking down, it could put you out, you know, faster than you came in. So uh, I think it's pros and cons of both. You know, with Hot Shot, you get in, you get the business side down and then you can start scaling because now you kind of know how everything works. You see the load boards, you seeing what reefer loads are pulling, drive in, flatbed. Um, so I say new guys, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe hot shot might be the way to go. Okay. If, if you're gonna be the one operating. Got you, got you. So you just now touched on something right there. You said um get the semi if you get the right truck. So yeah. your first truck, yeah, I think you mentioned earlier you had some issues, right? Talk talk about mm-hmm. getting your first your first semi. Lemonade, dog. I, <laughs> yeah, so well, I got bamboozled, man. It was this dude, it was the end of the year. He's like, look, we'll knock set. And it was a it was select truck in Houston. I'm sorry if I'm giving bad, bad uh, you know, bad pub, but it was a guy there named Kevin. And he's he's selling. He's like, you know, we'll take seven thousand off if you get it before the end of the year, because we're getting our old inventory out and you know, we really need to get this off the lot. It's a great truck. And so I'm like, cool. You know, we had a guy go check it out only on the lot and we bought it. You know, it was like it was 20. It's probably like 29K. They like seven off. So 22. What kind of truck? What, what was it? It was a Volvo. Okay. Yeah, Volvo. It was automatic. So, you know, I'm like, if I ever need I don't know how to drive a stick. So if I ever need a, a, a hop behind the wheel, I could do it. Right. And so it was a mid roof. It wasn't like the high top because uh, we plan to pull flatbed with it. So we weren't really you know, tripping on if it had the high roof or not. Um, okay. So we got it. We put it on the road. It's rolling. And we were, at this point, we didn't have a trailer yet. So we were pulling power only for JB Hunt. And it kept slowing down. So my driver's like, hey, when I'm in the hills, it slows down. I'm like, all right, you know, bring it in. Let's get it checked out. So we had JB Hunt route us back to Dallas. We go to the little mechanic. He's saying it's fixed. And driver back out. He's like, hey, it's doing this now. Like, all right, bring it back. Then, so we called Volvo. We was like, you know, we want y'all to work on it. And the dude at Volvo and me were cool. And so he was like, look, if we work on it, it's going to be expensive. Go to this guy. So he gave us a mechanic. We get it fixed. Seemingly, we go back out and it's still slowing down. So I'm like, you know, I I think we needed thorough fixing because we were kind of doing rush. Like, what is it? All right, let's replace it. Getting back out there. Right. I was like, all right, you know what? Let's take it off the insurance because it added about 1600 to the insurance. And let's bring it in and just, you know, it's paid cash. So we didn't have to worry about the payment. Now we don't have to worry about the insurance and let's get it fixed. It had uh, about 500,000 miles on it. And so I'm, I'm realizing that Volvos were pretty expensive once they start acting up. You know, they, they may be really good early on. And it, this is my experience because that's what we have. But uh, it was pretty expensive to, to work on the Volvo. So we got it completely fixed now. And the next truck we got is the Freightliner. We're not fooling. I ain't <laughs> fooling no more. 
you know, unless it's going to be newer. But uh, right. that definitely was like a, yeah, we're about to make money. Right. Boom, money going out, money going out. And what did you end up having to put into it to get it back up and running? So the first one was we had something wrong with the axle. Like the wheels were wearing, uh, the tires were wearing badly. And then we had something wrong with the turbo. When we would go up hills, it was slowing down a lot. One time my driver said it's at 20, 20 miles per hour. Yeah. He had a full load on it. So we had to swap out something with the, with the turbo, uh, some filter in there. We had a couple air leaks and it was just all this little stuff adding up. And so uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the filter. It was pretty expensive to get it fixed. But one of the filters up in there, you know, I, I put it, I'll give it to the mechanic. Like, hey, you check it out. You know, <laughs> you check yeah. it out. Yeah. So he's explaining it to me. But uh, turbo was definitely one of the things. And we were losing air pressure. Got you. Got you. All right. So when you started with the, uh, when you finally got the semi up and running, you said you were running uh, UPS? I mean, no, JB Hunt. JB Hunt. Yep. JB yep. Hunt. Um, so you were running, did you guys have your own authority? You run under JB Hunt's authority? Own authority. So they were looking for people with their own authority to uh, pull these, you know, trailer interchange, pull, drop trailer. Okay. We're pulling from maybe like Home Depot warehouse, Walmart warehouses and going all over the country. Okay. And how was that? How, how, how was it working with them? So to not have the trailer was cool. Um, they were paying like a dollar eighty per loaded mile. And so the consistency of it, like I knew I didn't have to dispatch that one. I just had to make sure that the driver was here, driver was there. But that's also when you realize that the fuel on that semi is a lot different than the hot shot. Like I'm getting 10 to 12 miles per gallon on the on a hot shot. The semi is more around that six, six range, you know, six miles per gallon. Right. So the fuel was adding up a lot quicker. Um I think power only if you can't get a trailer, you know, maybe that's the way to go. I mean, that's the only option you really have. Right. But if you can find a trailer and that was another thing I learned, I didn't know you could rent trailers or, you know, if you didn't want to buy, because my thing is I didn't want to get locked in into one type of trailer set. And so with the, with the flatbed, if I bought it, I had a flatbed, but then I learned like, okay, you can rent, you know, for six months, you can rent a flatbed if you want to. And like I said, stuff slows down in the winter. So you make them return that pull a reefer drive in, you know, different things. So that's the angle we're going now. But JB Hunt was cool if we could have kept the truck moving. Right. Know, it would have been better off if we could have kept the truck moving. Got you. So are you still power only with the or did you grab, grab a trailer? No. So we got hooked up with these uh, people in Texas who rent trailers out. OK, so we're going to do I'm, we're back and forth on if we're going to do reefer going into the holiday in the winter or if we want to just do flatbed and step deck work. They got a lot of flatbeds. Uh, but we actually have to make a decision here in the next couple of weeks before because everything happens in October when we put the trucks back on. OK. OK, got you. So so how has um, do, do you feel like your business has improved a lot adding on the semis? Like, do you feel like it was a good decision to make for, for your business? Uh, yeah, I think I think it was a learning curve real quick. And that's why I had to make the decision fast. All right, take it off. Take it off. You know, <laughs> like, right. Don't, don't right. Lose no more money, you know, take it off. Um, it definitely taught me, you know, with with the purchasing process, because like I said, I'm coming from no information. And so I'm thinking, all right, seven thousand off of a semi. Cool. Good deal. Now I know, you know, all right, I need a mechanic to really go in and drive it and really break this thing down. Not just somebody who says they know how to look at trucks. 
Right. Like who actually can pay. Like, hey, you know, I think it's called a, a PPI, right? Pre-purchase yeah. inspection. Yeah. I need to really invest in that and get a good person and not try to skim money at the beginning because I think a lot of people try to save money but end up losing money because you're trying to save at the wrong time. Got you. Got yeah. you. So, so now you have the two trucks, you have the Volvo and you have the Freightliner. What are you, what are they running right now? So right now they're just parked. They're parked in Dallas. Okay. You haven't parked. Okay. Yeah, and, so, and you're about to grab the trailers or you're looking at the reefers or possibly the step deck to start moving out. Yeah. Yeah. Cause so my insurance renews registration, everything in October. So then I'm just going to add them on again that well the Volvo again and add the Freightliner then. And then it may be one more depending on what we find in Houston. Uh, I'm gonna go look at the end of September and, and check out what they got. Okay, see, you know, if, but if, you but you're still dispatching your hot shot. Yeah, so the hot shot moving. My driver he don't want to come home. <laughs> that's another difference in the money because I was coming home. I got two little girls. I'm coming home, and he's running those weekend loads. So now we're making another, you know, between fifteen hundred, two thousand just over the weekend. And so it's cool having him out. He's like, look, I'm good. It's like I just make sure you know. Make sure I have what I need and I'm good to go. Right, right, right. For sure. You spoke earlier about um, the Excellence Foundation. Talk, mm-hmm. talk a little bit about, about that. Yeah. So and this, is, this goes into why I might need dispatchers because it's a lot going on in Dallas. And the Excellence Foundation is a team, right? We're a team of, of entrepreneurs. Uh, one guy on there is a venture capitalist. One is a CTO of L3 Harris, which is a military manufacturing. Like They do weapons and, and a lot of different you know, high tech stuff. And so uh, he's the CEO of the Excellence Foundation. And so it's spelled with an X. And the idea behind that is the unknown variable in math is an X, right? So what is your unknown variable? So the people we impact, what's your, your unknown variable that can help take you to the next level? I like that. So our three pillars are sports, academics, and business. And so sports is the, the, the way we get the youth, right? Because we got professional athletes involved and they want to come and be around. And now we start talking about business and entrepreneurship and, and academics. And so that's how we get that reach. And then with adults, we help them with business uh, planning, you know, getting their foundations or their businesses started, uh, finances. Um, we have the venture capitalist and his fund is like $350 million, right? So he's a guy who can really make some stuff happen if you bring the right information to him. And so he has the investment side of things going on for some of these athletes who maybe getting out the league and need to put their money somewhere that's going to continue to make money. And so we're just a group, man. Uh, I'm actually honored they hit me up. So they're all 17 years. The youngest person is 17 years older than me. Okay. Wow. So Yeah. So I'm the young guy. Yeah. And uh, they're like, Jay, you know, we see what you do. We see what you post because I got two Instagrams. Right? I got pro hall TV. Then I got my Jerron Ham Instagram. And so one is strictly trucking. One is like, the the speaking and when I'm going out with the youth, the family stuff. Right. And so they hit me up and was like, you know, we really think that you're young to be doing this and we want you on our team because we could have we can use that younger mind and, and the social media part and stuff like that. So For sure. it's a really good group. It's like a I'd call it the A team, man. We're just a team of people who can get it done. That's dope. That's dope. I love that. I love that. Um you you mentioned Pro Hall TV. Right. Pro yeah. TV. That's your YouTube channel. Right. Yeah. That's, um, that's the brand now. Yep. That's 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 your YouTube channel. The brand That's that's everything. Right. It's all encompassed under that. Um, 
Talk about that. How's the reaction been to, 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 to that channel, to that brand? Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so so the company, the trucking company is Pro Hall Logistics, right? So when I started documenting my journey, because I use YouTube a lot, but there was a lot of information that was missing. So I, as a newbie, I was documenting what it's like, you know, giving out just gems just, and, and just stuff that I felt like people getting in should know. And so I'm, I'm happy. I'm like, oh, I got 100 subscribers. Like, this is cool. <laughs> you know, I'm excited. I still right. I wasn't getting paid yet, but I was like, yo, this is cool. And I just kept posting and kept posting. And the YouTube platform, Pro Hall TV, that's where the name came from because YouTube. And uh, so people were hitting me up, you know, and then it went from 100 subscribers, 500 and 1,000 and, you know, 5,000. Now we're close to 10,000. And I'm like, yo, what's going on? And along with that, people started looking to me like as the information source, which made me get on my game. Like, okay, I want to be the person to be able to answer these questions. So I'm getting DMs and, and messages on Instagram. I have my phone number, like my business line. So I'm getting text messages. And it kind of put me in a place of where I went from just documenting my journey to being the guy that people come to for information. Got you. What, what, what's your most viewed video? Do you know? Yeah, I do. Yeah, because it's the one I was watching. I was like, yo, I got 20,000 views. Oh, 40, 50. Uh, so it's a, it's a startup cost video. And it was so all over the place. Too. I'm surprised that's the most viewed video. Because like I said, I still wasn't like thinking about production. I'm just on there talking like, yo, yeah, you probably have to spend 10 on a trailer. And then what else? You know, uh, I'm sitting there like, oh, the whole video. <laughs> this got like 220,000 views. And right, right, right. I was watching that. I'm waking my girl up at six. Hey, it got 30,000 views. <laughs> hey, it got 40,000 views. And so right. that's, the, that's the biggest one right now. And then there's another one, uh, like a hundred and some thousand views. Some happened though. Some slowed down recently because I was getting like five, 8,000, you know, on the regular. Now it's more around the two range. So I'm thinking YouTube might want me to pay them to get my. Yeah, money. you never know with these, with these yeah. uh, platforms, man. It's always something, man. They always throw monkey wrenches. As soon as somebody start coming up, they start saying, hold up, yeah. hold up. We, we, we need a little something. We need a piece. <laughs> Man, I'm like, yo, what's, some dudes like, bro, I haven't seen one of your videos in a minute. You still posting? I was like, I got like five new videos out. You <laughs> seen oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, that's crazy. That's dope. That's dope. Um, what, what, what have you uh, learned most about yourself, like through educating people? Like, has it taught you anything about yourself through, through, through educating others? Yeah. So it, it taught me that everybody's not the researcher type and everybody's not the, the type to go dig in and really find the information. Like, so me, once you ask me a question, if I don't know the answer, I'm about to go Google it real quick and find every piece of, of backed up information on it so I could give you the best answer. And in that now I'm learning way more. Um, I'm finding that I'm a servant. You know, I really like to help people and build the relationships in doing so. Um, with that, you know, being out, even being out on the road, I, some dude came and knocked on my truck one night and was like, hey, I opened the, opened the door. I, had, I keep my gun with me. So I had my gun like, yo, what's going on? It's, it's you know, it's pretty late. Right. He's like, man, I seen that your truck say pro hall, man. I just want to thank you, man. You're the reason I'm out here. He pointed to his truck. Oh, that's like, I'm in hot shot now from your videos. And so that's I've dope. had about four or five of those across the United States, way more than ever I had or ever had with football. So wow. I was like, oh, this is cool. You know, this is a real platform. Um, but 
I say I'm a servant, you know, a servant to the people because I know what it's like to not know anything but want to get into something. And so I try my hardest to give as much free info as I can. Um, people, after a while, though, I'm like, all right, look, you need to book a little consultation. With <laughs> I'm right. giving you the whole game for free. <laughs> now nah, I got you. I got you. Three, three to five years. Where do you see your, your, your business growing? Yeah. So trucking wise, you know, that's a, it would, it would take me seeing how these other three trucks run with it because I, I don't want to grow too big to where it's, it just looks good and sounds good. But three to five years, I could say maybe, maybe five to 10 trucks, you know, running smoothly, making sure the trucks are running good and that we're, having direct customers, having some contracts, you know, making sure that we're growing and getting more away from the low board, as far away from the low board as we can uh, to kind of cut out the middleman, you know, um, as far as the pro hall TV platform, you know, I'm thinking big, I'm thinking like educate JJ Keller type style. So mm. as much as I can learn and then put back out, that's what I'm thinking with that. So whether it be, you know, resources, downloadable, free game, of course, you know, stuff that maybe people need help getting started. All right. What's affordable for different people to get going into the industry? So is it a course? Is it a mentorship? Uh, do you need a book? You know, do you need to know how to get permits, how to get your MC, different stuff like that. So I want it to be kind of a full service uh, trucking education platform. Got you. Got you. And, and do you feel, um, more accomplished um via being an entrepreneur or do you like what's your biggest accomplishment do you feel because i mean you've had a professional um athletic um accomplishments and then you had your entrepreneurial accomplishments what 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 are your what what to you is the most the, the biggest one yeah so to me i'd say entrepreneurship and be, i say that because i built that you know sports it was it was hard work and then it was a talent level, right? But they still came and found me. So I didn't build that opportunity. The NFL built the opportunity. Entrepreneurship, I was ground zero and just putting myself out there. And it was a, either you're going to win and, you know, be happy with it, or you're going to fail at it and have to regroup. And either, either one of those circumstances, I feel like people should t take value in and winning and in failing because I failed a lot, but I won a lot as well. And so being able to support the life that I built from the NFL through entrepreneurship, that's not really common for a lot of athletes. Like a lot of guys can't say that. So I'm mm. very proud of the success I had in football. But when football was over, that success is over. And now I got new success in a new arena. Like it's right. like it's like uh, growing dreads. It's like the ugly stages of growing dreads. Right? <laughs> when you first <laughs> you ever had dreads before? Never, never. I had a little fro, but you know. Uh, so, so to, to bring the imagery to that, when somebody starts growing their dreads, you're looking at them crazy, like yo, yeah. you ugly. That's how getting out the league is. Everybody's looking at you crazy, like what you gonna do now? You know, what you gonna do now? But as you continue to process, it starts to look good. Yeah, how people are like okay, I see what you was doing, you know, and uh, it brings a lot of motivation to other people because. When guys get out the league, they believe you're done, like it's over with. And so now when they see, oh, Jay made it happen even after what seems to be one of the worst times in life. To me, the league was cool. I always went in knowing that it was going to be over at some point. So I prepared for what was next, you know, mentally at least. Um, I found trucking. That was my that was my path. And yeah, it's, it, I'm proud of that. I, lo I love that analogy to growing dress. That's dope. That's dope. <laughs> 
All right, man. So we're we're about to wrap. Before before we go, um, two things we want to make sure we the guests. Uh, all my guests are always asked for them to give a final thought, right? And then we got to let the audience know where they could connect with you directly and um, learn more about uh, Pro Hall and Pro Hall TV. So first, let's yeah. start with that final thought. Go ahead. Final thoughts. Um, you know, with, with life period, you know, it's different phases, right? You always, and my mentor taught me this, you're always a freshman at some point, right? So you go from freshman year, then you're the senior in high school, you're the man, but then next year you're a freshman in college. So you always have to reinvent the wheel. You always have to be ready for that. And also in business and in life, you have to put yourself out of business before somebody else does personally and in business. So we think about, and I just recorded a podcast about it, uh, but Blockbuster, right? Netflix gave them the opportunity to purchase them. They thought it was dumb. And then Netflix ended up putting them out of business. But if they would have partnered, they would still be moving. We would still know Blockbuster. So in life, in business and in business, put yourself out of business before somebody else does. And what that means is it's great what you do now, right? So I got the trucking company. It's cool. But what next? Because now they're talking about self-driving trucks. And, you know, what? so what next? You got to stay ahead of the game. So I'd say constantly self-assess, see what you're good at, get better at it, see what you're bad at, get better at it, and daily put yourself out of business and make sure that today is the worst that you'll ever be again in life. So every day that means I'm better every day. And even if I'm great today, this is the worst I'm ever be in life because I'm going to be even greater tomorrow. I like that. Did you steal that? Is, is that somebody that you nah, man, hey, that, that one actually just came off the head. Right? <laughs> today is the worst I'm going to ever. I like that one. That's a good one, man. I'm going to steal that. I'm using it. Hey, like hey it. use it, man. Use it. Yeah. <laughs> Shout me out. No, I'm just playing. No, no doubt. All right. And where can the people connect with you, man? So personal Instagram, uh, if you type in Jeron Ham, J-E-R-O-N-H-A-M-M. I'm the one with the blue check. I'm proud of that. Uh, and then for Pro Hall TV, it's Pro Hall, P-R-O-H-A-U-L underscore TV. And that's the trucking Instagram. Um, if you find one, you're going to find both because the names are in the bio. And then YouTube as well, Pro Hall TV, same thing. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm very accessible right now. So people who have questions and I spend hours DMing back every day, uh, taking calls. Uh, so, you know, use me while you can, because as this following keeps growing, I don't know how I don't know how many how many you people be missing. Yeah, you know, so use me early and, and build that relationship. I'm all about connecting and really adding value to, to the, the people who trust me with the information I'm giving. No doubt, bro. No doubt. Well, listen, man, thank you so much for joining us today on, on, on Truck and Hustle. I really appreciate it, man. It was dope. Great conversating with you. Sure. Um, and everybody, make sure y'all go check him out on his IG. Check out Pro Hall TV, um, YouTube channel, packed full of nuggets and information. Um, and yeah, man, we keep on building, you know, welcome to the truck and hustle family. Yes, sir. Hey man, it's, it's a pleasure. It's an honor. Cause I, like I say, I got a lot of people from listening to you, you know, hit people up and, and the tribe is definitely a, a asset to have. So thankful for being here, man. Thank you for having me. No doubt. No doubt. All right, hustle fam. Till next time we out. If you like what you heard, it's only going to get better. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a comment. Let us know what you want to learn or hear more about. Till next time, love is love, truck and hustle.